welcome to Next Week Tonight. Hello, welcome to Next Week Tonight, brought to you by Fusion Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Joshua Bigby, and this is the show that keeps you a week ahead of the competition. That's what we're here for. All the breakout players you should be adding now before they break out. All of the streamers, the nice, juicy, good matchups in week three that you can get set up on your bench now. And when everyone goes to look at the schedules and everything next week and they realize that you already have all of the best streamers that were available already, that's what we're doing here. And trades as well, players that have schedules coming up that are good or bad. Maybe they just had a good game and we don't really think they're that good. Whatever it is, we're going to take advantage of perceptions and values and try to get you the best players on your teams and scoring points and winning games. That's the point. So even though I know we're in week two, we just had Thursday night football yesterday. We're on to week three here. Um, this is a hard show, especially early in the season. I'm basically predicting what's going to happen week two already. That's kind of built in. I can't avoid it. That's built into who I think is going to do good and who you want. So there's my projections in here, of course. And I'm wrong sometimes. Uh, we'll recap last week's episodes and the results at the second half of the show. So we're going to get right into it for week three. Try to be quick with these. Uh, probably not going to be as quick as I want. I'm trying to get better with that as we get worked in. The, the first few episodes of this show every year is just trying to keep up, trying to get you a little bit ahead of the hot ads, the the players that people can, so, so you can add them before everyone else finally clues into, oh, wait, they really might be something. you know. So an example of that was, and it's a pretty obvious one, but Sterling Shepard, right? If you got to follow Twitter at Fusion FFB for late picks that I will add, you know, who you should add and trade for, things come up. And, you know, the Thursday night game, I don't have the show out before Thursday night games. But I had a tweet out and I said, you need to double check Sterling Shepard's owned in your team, in your league. And he is in most, I understand. But hey, a lot of these, he's he's a perfect kind of player who would have been available in a lot of your casual kind of leagues because he's a familiar name. And a lot of times of familiar names can slip through the cracks. So anyway, follow for picks like that. Of course, Sterling Shepard had a great Thursday night football. You're probably not going to have any chance, not even trading for him anymore. So be sure to follow so you can take advantage of those. With that said, we're going to get right into... Players you should be adding on your bench right now before week two. All right, here we go. So I'm always going to list these players in order of um, how good they are. So I'm going to start with the better players first and we'll finish on the fringes. That way, I know a lot of you are in different kinds of leagues. So some of these guys I'm going to name and you'll be like, Josh, they were drafted. You know, I'm in a deep league. I'm in a smart league, whatever it is. But that's okay. Hang in there. We're going to get to some names towards the end that I'm pretty sure are going to be available. And hey, some of these early names, they just think of them as trade targets then. They're perfect kind of players that are still cheap, right? But you could maybe get thrown into a deal for a bigger player 
perfect kind of players you want to keep um, keep an eye on. Know in the back of your mind. So it's still valuable to pay attention, even if they're owned by somebody else. So let's go. First of all, I want to talk about Marquez Valdez Scandling. Now, I, I know I'm a little skeptical too, but he did have, always does have, a lot of air yards. There's a lot of intent to get him the ball there. That's kind of how we like to think about air yards. I mean, he also had decent snaps. Snaps are a big thing this time of year, especially at cluing us into intent. Especially this week, uh, I should say week one to week two, you want to keep an eye on shifting trends in snap share, especially younger players. As they're getting worked in, that's how we can clue in a lot of these players before. We have more of those kind of players coming. So, first of all, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, why is this different? Well, because they're not going to be as bad as last week every week. And this week, they're playing Detroit. And they lost one of their main secondary players, Okuda. I expect... Everyone expects this to be a blowout game, so why not get a piece that's part of that? Even if you don't think he's a real thing for the season, you still want him on your team as just a valuable player. Or to keep him away from somebody else's lineup, right? Um, You can try and trade him next week, whatever you want to do with him, but you want him, if he's scoring points, as far away from your competition as possible. Okay, even if you're not going to play him, even if you don't think he's a thing, he could have a big game this week. Simple as that. So Marcus Valdez-Scantling, he had a big um, weighted opportunity share. Weighted opportunities I use a lot. I think everyone should be using them. Uh, We'll see if I have time to put out something more about that, really more in-depth about weighted opportunity stats. There's a variety of stats that I have developed and been using. They're pretty classic kind of stats. But if you ever hear me saying these, this is what they are. Weighted opportunity share. That's just like target share, rushing share, or opportunity share. But it's calculating the entire team's opportunities as weighted. Of course, two and a half rush attempts being one weighted opportunity. One target is one weighted opportunity. And we go from there. Pretty simple to take all the team's rush attempts, pass attempts, do the math, there's all the weighted opportunities. Divide each individual player's weighted opportunities by the team's total. There's their share. Just like target share. I already said it. So that's share, weighted opportunity share. But also, if you're familiar with yards per team pass attempt, it takes the individual player's yardage and divides it by the total team's pass attempts. It's really useful for receivers to get context of their production in the context of their team. So even if the team's volume wasn't high, you get to see how important this player was in the offense, all right? So the quantities, you know, the number of yards and the number of plays might be different for a different team, but the actual yards per team pass attempt could be the same, right? Obviously, we want the quantities because that gives us more fantasy points. But just for understanding how good a player is and how important they are on a team and to an offense, it's a nice stat, all right? We can do the same thing with weighted opportunities, and it's more predictive, and it can be used across running back and receiver. And, of course, tight end. I call them just receivers. But... 
that's why it's so cool because it's so much more valuable and it's even more predictive. I'm, I'm trying to prove that, but in a small sample that I can do, can test, um, it's more predictive even than yards per team pass attempt of points per reception, fantasy points. All right. So if I talk about yards per team weighted opportunity, that's what I'm talking about. Think of it like yards per team pass attempt or yards per team attempt. It's a similar kind of thing, but I'm using weighted opportunities. All right. And to bring this full circle, why am I talking about this? All right. So some of these players have some pretty good production, and I'm basing that off the yards, not just off the two touchdowns that they happen to get, you know, some of these players. So that's why when I talk about Marquez Valdez scanting, I really like it because 19.5% weighted opportunity share on the team, very high. A lot of opportunity per snap and so on. So that's why I like Marquez Valdez scantling. And we'll come back to some of those numbers on some of these other players now that you're familiar with it. I won't have to explain it so much. All right. So I think he got the opportunities. He just didn't get the results. Moving on way too long on MVS. Elijah Moore. He did absolutely nothing production-wise in week one. But that's okay. Because you know what he did get? 86% snap share. He was on the field. Do you know what Braxton Berrios got? 7 targets. Do you think Braxton Berrios is getting seven targets instead of Elijah Moore by week three? I don't think so. If you think so, you should be adding Braxton Berrios right now because that's a consistent role in a PPR league that could give consistent flex value. And that's what I think Elijah Moore is going to become. He's not there yet. So patience if you have room. Um, I'm trying to think who they were playing in week two. I'm already on to week three, guys. Uh, punch it in my tool here. Look at it. And we can see that the Jets play. New of course, they play my Patriots this week. Probably not going to be a good look for any Jets. Um, and I think even Crowder was reactivated. So there's a lot of competition there. I expect more to come out on top by midseason. The question is when, and it's a hard thing to know. I mean, even think about Justin Jefferson as good as he was last year. For the first two weeks, not much, not much of anything, um, but he was on the field. Okay, so again, snap share, that's what we're looking at. So Elijah Moore, I still believe in it. He got, he did get some targets. He just, it must have been a couple of them were like behind line scrimmage, you know, so things like that, He's it's going to come. Braxton Barrios is not going to hold him off. If Crowder is a thing, and I think he's a decent player, he might hold him off a little while, but even then, come on. I think eventually it'll come. All right, next player, Quintez Cephas, Detroit Lions. Now, opposite MVS, because the Packers are playing the Lions, remember? We've got Quintez Cephas, and he did not actually play a lot early in the game but he did come in later he was getting targets he had that ridiculous drive at the end where he, he caught the touchdown and then caught the two-point conversion um big guy big guy goes up for the ball there was a couple other plays you could see him 
And one of them, I think it was an incompletion down the sideline, but he just leapt up and was just, you know, feet up in the air. Um, perfect kind of contested catch guy. That's what he was good at in college. I remember noting that as his profile as good for him with Stafford because Stafford likes that. Well, maybe Goff can learn to like it too. I think back, and Goff hasn't had a lot of those kind of players, even with Rams. I mean, think about it. Cooks, Woods, Cup. None of these are big dudes. Now, he did have some decent tight ends, and sometimes those tight ends had some pretty good games. Higby had, what, that ridiculous five-game stretch with Goff? So I do like Quintez Cephas as a fringe play. Again, we're getting lesser and lesser uh, average ownership here with these with these picks. But Quintus Cephas, the other thing to know is Tyrell Williams has a concussion. Very unlikely it's going to be cleared before this weekend's games. So that even opens up more opportunity for him to be on the field. He's probably going to be in that same uh, role or at least opposite, but he's going to have a spot on the field much more than he did week one. So Quintus Cephas, really like it. Big target guy. Think about how Jawan Johnson was getting those touchdowns in the end zone. Big guy. Cephas, he already did it last week. I think he could kind of do the same thing against the Packers. All right. Next up, Terrace Marshall, another big end zone touchdown guy. Look, Robbie Anderson, it's a really good thing he had that long touchdown, but he was not that impressive other than that. Um, the points were there, but not necessarily as much opportunity as I'd like to see. Yeah, he was on the field, but the opportunity per a snap was pretty low, very low. All right, let's, for example, for comparison, 0.06 weighted opportunities per snap for Robbie Anderson. All right, what was it for Terrace? 0.18, three times as likely to get an opportunity per snap for Marshall. Yes, he came in, in only 53% snap share. So he came in more specifically for a role more specifically for a play, likely for him, but that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. So uh, I, I really like Marshall developing here as kind of this big slot and end zone threat. And if Darnold is not going to be connecting and, and lighting it up with Robbie Anderson, you know, rekindling that connection, and think back, a, a lot of people, a lot of people liked Robbie Anderson. Particularly because last year, he wasn't just the deep threat guy that he had been with the Jets, with Darnold, right? They saw him in a different role with Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina last year. And the in the back of my mind this entire time with Robbie Anderson, I liked the idea of it, but I did have something in my back of my head, and it didn't stop me from liking Robbie Anderson and getting him on some teams, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, but there's an assumption here that we do not have proof of that Darnold wasn't the problem, right? If you think about it, everything else we can figure out, oh, that situation is different. Logically, it must have been this. The one thing we did not logically know what the cause of it was, was, was Robbie Anderson only more involved in a shorter dot role last year because Teddy Bridgewater and he wasn't 
Darnold. And now that Darnold's in Carolina, is he going to revert back to more of a deep target, more inconsistent, less volume? We don't actually want that. We liked Robbie Anderson last year. We didn't like Robbie Anderson with the Jets. I mean, sometimes we liked him, but again, inconsistent. So, uh, Terrace Marshall arrow up, Robbie Anderson arrow down. Go ahead and try to trade him, whatever you want to do. Robbie Anderson and pick up Terrace Marshall. Moving on, next guy, Anthony Schwartz. Speaking of deep targets, rookie, first game, very involved. Now, Odell Beckham was out, so that we assume helped to open up opportunity. Donovan Peoples-Jones played most of the snaps, but he did not do much of anything with it. However, Anthony Shorts did five targets, almost 18% target share, um, 14% weighted opportunity share, the opportunities per snap. It's it's average, but it's there. Same thing, uh, similar to Marshall's, 0.17. Okay, so again, he's not always on the field, but when he was, he had a good chance of being involved, and that could continue to grow, and Odell Beckham has already been... Uh, declared out so shocker shocker um if you're not a friend of the show haven't been following not a big fan of odell beckham and yeah that's it so anthony shorts uh schwartz go get him and uh again we're getting deeper and deeper leagues here gerald everett tight end for seattle I know he did not actually have a huge role last week. He got the touchdown. He had, uh, let me pull it up here, like three targets. But the thing that I do like about him is that, I mean, he's on a new team. Tight end on a new team. He got 72% snap share. So he was actually on the field a pretty good amount, but he only had the two targets. Um, two receptions, 20 yards, touchdown. 10 points but the nice thing about Everett and Seattle I, ju I just think there's room for him to grow there I know Disley's there too but either way he's new he's a good player I think again there's room to develop beyond that I mean if he's doing this in his first game and a, a game against the Colts which they were leading much of it they weren't really being pressed um, but they had ridiculous efficiency. So the volume was actually down because they were finishing drives with long touchdowns, mostly Tyler Lockett, right? Um, so there's opportunity for way more volume and yards there to other people if they, you know, Tyler Lockett can just stop running in 60-yard touchdowns. You know, please don't, don't stop that, Tyler. Don't, don't stop that. You guys, if you've been following the Twitter You'll know again. What's what was the tweet? Tyler Lockett every single draft. Yeah, every single draft. I don't actually, but I tried. So next player after Everett, we're gonna look at the Broncos players, KJ Hamler or Albert Okuyabunum. That's one way you can say it, and I'm gonna stick with it because I mastered that. But then someone else. I've heard say it some other way. And I don't know how to say that because I haven't practiced it. We're going with Akui Boonham. So Albert O, if you don't want to try it, but tight end. Somebody is 
probably going to get some chances. Now, Jerry Judy, because of the Jerry Judy injury, sorry, background. So because of the Jerry Judy injury, he's going to be out a few weeks, high ankle sprain, at least two weeks, probably limited into three or four. So KJ Hamler is probably the next man up. But there's also Tim Patrick, who's been very involved. Fant looked pretty good, but Albert O was also involved. I really don't know what's going to be going on here. Teddy Bridgewater does. I mean, he was playing pretty well. He's got some good weapons. We saw him pretty good in Carolina last year with what I think were about as good weapons. Um, he probably he has better weapons actually in Denver if you include the tight ends. Okay, so with Sutton and Judy, I would think that that was pretty similar to Robbie and DJ and Curtis Samuel, right? But now you throw in the tight ends, KJ Hamlet. He's got and Tim Patrick, so he's got a lot more weapons, I think. So I really like him. Um, I already li also like Teddy Bridgewater. We'll talk about him in a minute. But deep leagues, again, we're getting deeper and deeper here. These are the guys that I would be looking at. Tim Patrick probably already been picked up, um, and, and so on. So th those are the other guys just to see. Maybe they grab a hold of some opportunity here and hold on to it. That's all we're looking for. All right, and lastly, the the Colts, Indianapolis Colts, need that uh, they need a receiver. They need a wide receiver one because Zach Pascal can't be it. I'm sorry, he can't. I know he had two touchdowns, but you take away those 14 points, uh, 12 points, and he's left with eight. Okay, he he is not a wide receiver one. I like Zach Pascal. I am not trying to besmirch the name of Zach pa Pascal. I just don't think he is their wide receiver one just because he had the most targets and receptions. Because if that's what makes someone a team's wide receiver one, then actually Zach Pascal is a wide receiver three because both Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines had more targets and receptions than Zach Pascal. All right. It was a rough, weird game for the Colts, right? They barely had a week of practice with Zach uh, Carson Wentz back, right? They're playing the Seahawks, who just immediately are just touchdown, 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 every three passes by Russ Wilson. It was a weird game. Once they get into um, a matchup here that they can really um, – play football more normally again it was just a weird game they're playing the la rams and they're at home and i think there's a better chance it's a good defense but there's a better chance that we can see them get into more of a normal kind of game have actual drives a lot more targets and yards to go around and i think we are gonna see another receiver step up now, Michael Pittman is going to be the first one people are going to look to. And we're looking to and we're expecting. And his snaps, his snaps agree. He's out there the most. Um, but I'm not convinced he can be the guy. Or at least if he is the guy, I think there's going to be room for more of a possession receiver. And at least until Hilton gets back, which is going to be like mid, probably midseason, something with his back neck. That's that sounds nasty. Um, I still like Paris Campbell. We talked about him last year, and then there's Mike, Mike Michael Straken, Straken, Scracken, 
don't know how to say it. Anyway, we've mentioned him before, I believe, too. Place to keep an eye on, even if you don't want to add him. But, you know, if you've got a spot, pick one, whatever. Um, I'm going to be doing an episode. You can keep an eye out. I'm going to put it out as something separate on YouTube. Uh, maybe it'll get tagged on to the end of the podcast if you're listening. So just keep listening. But I'm going to talk a little bit about roster management, um, setting lineups, waivers, those kind of things. And look, it's been like nine months since we've done any of this stuff. So, you know, as I was week one doing all of the getting back into it, setting lineups, and then after the games, looking at my future lineups, setting waivers, claims, uh, bids, all this stuff, right? Just skills and information and strategies that I've developed over, you know, a decade of playing fantasy football start, you know, coming back. Little things start coming back to you. You're like, oh yeah, I should do, you know, we do that. We know the basics, like don't start Thursday night players in your flexes, right? But there's some more details. So I'm going to get into some of that in uh, another episode. So keep an eye out for, for that. And that comes up with this, which is, you know, if you have a late scratch player you can throw them on the ir and pick up your favorite colts receiver just in case right all right moving on we gotta go faster guys week three streamers all right week three streamers tyrod taylor that's right houston texan quarterback but playing carolina at home and he showed the ability he's he's trying to win he didn't get the memo I mean, yeah, he didn't get the memo. He's trying to win. He's running around, throwing bombs. Brandon Cooks is out there catching half the teams, uh, at least half the teams area yards, and I think about it. Um, it's really interesting. Let me see. Uh, yeah, almost half his team's area yards. If you're looking at streaming a quarterback this time, I'm assuming it's bad, Okay. So with that said, this is the kind of quarterback we're going to be talking about. And then, of course, we already had Daniel Jones play Thursday night. So that's come, that was kind of out of the bag now, but they are playing Atlanta. I do think he'll continue just putting up fantasy points. It may not be pretty. Uh, he hasn't had a huge turnover game yet, so that's good. He hasn't fumbled a ton. So that's good, right? Um, I don't mind Daniel Jones. I have Daniel Jones as my quarterback too in a bunch of Superflex leagues just because. Or you know your rules, right? If, if the league was only negative one for fumbles and interceptions, then pff, hello, Daniel Jones, right? So running back, streamer. Um, I don't know why I don't have this up. Sorry, I'm going to figure out who Dallas is playing in week three um dallas is playing philadelphia okay maybe not as bad of a defense as i thought but i do think that they are going to be an offense combined with a defense that's going to force opposing offenses to to play all right and they're going to be good enough to score on dallas's poor defense and so again it's going to create a situation where yards and points are going to happen and pollard I really, really liked what I saw out of, out of him. I know it was a game script kind of thing against against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They, 
I mean, we, we've been saying it was game script and making that excuse for Zeke, but I feel like, I feel like the best running backs in the NFL, when their team is down only one score or less than seven, I feel like they're still involved. I feel like they're part of the solution that you don't have to be in a two-minute drill in the middle of the third quarter when you're only down by six points. Like, you can run the ball still. It's okay. Um, Time's not running out. You still have time. You just need to have a drive. And they didn't do that. And I know Tampa Bay's run defense is good. But it seems to me that you saw even Jonathan Taylor in a, again, Seattle was up right away. And Jonathan Taylor's still involved in the run and pass game all the way through to the end, even in the fourth quarter when they're down. The best running backs are still involved in the solution. They don't just get completely pulled. All right. I should say the best running backs for fantasy. Okay. Because, yeah, we know Derrick Henry is a great running back. But when the Titans get into games like they did this past week, he doesn't do anything. All right. That happens. Gibson, we just saw that. Of course, just the way the game flow went Thursday night, there was these two minute drills happened at the end of the first half. And then almost two of them happened at the end of the, the game. And it kind of just created this situation where McKissick was in for the drive where there was no substitutions. And so we just didn't see Gibson much, as much as we would have liked in during those periods. But a lot of plays that were valuable for fantasy happened in those times. So for fantasy, you want a running back that is going to be involved all the time. Um, so I'm a little bit wary of, of, of Ezekiel Elliott. So all the people out there telling you, oh, go buy him low. Yeah, maybe don't. Maybe don't. Maybe this is going to happen a lot. And maybe Tony Pollard is out there getting targets, getting snaps, getting opportunities during those snaps. He should be owned. He's a great flex streamer. If you just if you have injury at running back to throw in your flex or if, if you're that low, throw in your RB2 because you just have to start a running back. Well, you might as well get a running back who's half wide receiver and get you some points in PPR. All right, we talked about Michael Veldas-Scantling already. Quintez Cephas, um, these are guys who are going to continue to be good matchups um, and, and good streamers because in week three, the Packers are playing the 49ers, and we saw Detroit and Goff even still throwing on them. So... I think the Packers can do it. I'm not scared of them. A lot of defenses, guys, don't look at the the color, the shade, red or green of your matchup on your fantasy platform when you're setting your lineups. Ignore it. Ignore it. Uh, All the worst defenses against quarterbacks didn't just so happen to play the good quarterbacks week one. No, they're the worst defenses against quarterbacks because they played the the, the best quarterbacks. They had the worst matchup for quarterback defense. That's it. All right. Give it a couple weeks before you start jumping to those conclusions. Um, but for tight end, right, you're going to have Everett. By week three, you might be working even more. Minnesota's defense is beat up. 
I don't know by week three how much maybe they'll have some of these guys back, but a whole bunch of players were already declared out for various injuries. Um, but I like Gerald Everett uh, in week three. Hey, I have a defense for you guys. Arizona, probably everyone's figured this out already, but um, I think if you're looking at their matchups, they're going to keep being in these situations. And maybe teams will, you won't get a high score from them from points against because teams are going to be trying to score on them. But that also, we, we've seen that with like New England Patriot defenses in the past where, I mean, talking years back when Brady's slinging it and there's putting up all kinds of points. The defense had a lot of turnovers because the opposing offenses were already always having to push it a little bit. So look for those guys. Uh, look for those kind of situations, I should say. And I think Arizona's continue to be one of them. All right. Trades. Obviously, any of the players I've talked about already that are already owned, throw them in trades. Big names that I think you should go after. Uh, I'll mention this guy first because he just played. He's locked. You won't be able to do it or have him for this week, but you might be able to figure out a trade with somebody for Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, the truth is somewhere between week one and week two. Week one was like Christian McCaffrey, uh, not quantity of opportunities, but share, right? 74% rush attempts, 73% target share that led the team in targets in week one. Going the other way now, week two, short week, right? Maybe. Wanted to get McKissick more involved. It's a long season. Got a, got a game longer. So, I, look, the truth is somewhere in between. I don't need Antonio Gibson to be at 74 rush attempt share. Only 60-65. I don't need him at 23% target share. Just 15-16. That's really good for a running back, guys. All right? Um, that's all I'm saying. It doesn't have to be that bad. And then... The defense for Washington isn't looking as good as maybe we thought they were going to be. So that might create situations where they still need to score points. Half the time that's going to work in McKissick's favor, but it can also help Antonio Gibson. I'm not opposed to trading for Antonio Gibson. All right. I'm also not opposed to going out right now and trying to trade for Aaron Jones. I did a poll. And I just put up the stat result, and I did say, you know, disclaimer, all of these running backs had bad negative game script. And it was Zeke, James Robinson, and Aaron Jones. And I gave their stat line and their points per reception result. And most people voted they were most worried about Aaron Jones. Well, they were most worried about player C. Player C was Aaron Jones. Not as worried. Not as worried. Actually, I'm not worried about all three of them. Player A was Zeke. Player B was James Robinson. And player C was Aaron Jones. James Robinson received the fewest votes, and yet he's the one most people are most worried about. I get it. You don't have the full context, not knowing the player, just seeing some stats. But interesting. We make excuses for Zeke, even though James Robinson has been in just as bad a situation with just as bad as offense and offensive line and worse quarterback. For all of last, most of last season, right? Well, all of last season for Robinson's case. And, and has been more efficient, 
more yards, everything than Zeke. And that happened again in week one. Yeah, not involved as we, as we would like, but still managed to still outscore Zeke. And yet we're making excuses to the point of saying that Zeke is a buy low, but James Robinson, is, we're going to have a victory lap on him being a bust. That is not rational or consistent. Okay. My position on this is consistent. It, Like I said, going back over the course of a year, I'm worried about Zeke. You might have a great year still this year. Dynasty, I want out. Aaron Jones, Dynasty, do I want out? Yeah, but you would have wanted to get out high when he was a second, third rounder in, in startup kind of value. I would like to buy him cheap now and profit and then maybe even trade him when he's still good. If you don't have a winning season, you don't make in the playoffs, whatever. All right. Don't get stuck to a position. Be ready to bounce back and forth. Um, and then Javante Williams is the last guy running back. Go try and trade for him last year. This time I was, I was telling you it's your last chance to get Antonio Gibson. He had a rough week one. And then again, I and I said on two different weeks, all right, on the week two and three show, just like last week. And this week would be for this year. Same thing, Javante Williams. Now in Dynasty, there's, there's no discount there. There's no discount. But in your redraft leagues, if Javante is on a team that also has had injuries running back, they need a running back that's going to score points now because they need to contend, I would give up, you know, your running back three, running back two-ish, for him, he actually out uh, outworked Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon was saved by a 70-yard touchdown, but it was 50%, 50-50 snaps between Gordon and Javante Williams. And Javante actually had a couple more rush attempts and was more efficient when you remove the big run. That big run, just as easily be Javante next time. All right, so that's why. And he has some good game, uh, games coming up here in the coming weeks, all right? Um, Denver this week is playing Jacksonville, okay? So that's why you want to go get him now before he has those big plays against a bad Jacksonville team. And then after, let's see, in week three, which is what we're talking about, they're playing the Jets, okay? Good schedule coming up. Last chance to get Javante in redraft for buy him at cost. I don't care. Like pay up. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, of course, um, for Javante in redraft. Actually, somebody offered me that trade and I turned it down because I have Javante. All right. But that's actually really funny. Um, you easily do that trade. I'm trying to think about where the line would be. Probably somewhere right around Chris Carson. Okay. Um, would be where I'd be willing to spend. So if they need points right now and you can trade them, Chris Carson and get Javante and, and maybe one of these other players we're talking about, flex possible player, backup tight end, Everett, you know, boom, done. All right. All right. That's it for the week three players. Wow. That was way too long. Might be able to cut it down a little bit. Um, recap quickly for week two two episode 
Um, we talked about James Robinson already. A little bit, not worried about it. Juwan Johnson, told you, want him on he's the kind of guy he's going to hit right away, okay? Do I think that means he's a starter now? No, no. In fact, you can trade him in Dynasty, by all means, please do. Third rounder, second rounder, or late second rounder if you can do it. Again, we don't know late and early, by the way, but you can sell it that way if it's perception, okay? Troutman's definitely going to be the guy. Keep an eye out for Troutman. I should have had Troutman in the ads. I thought I did. It's not on the list. Double check that Troutman is owned. Maybe he was even dropped. He was in one of my leagues and I picked him up for free. I dropped Gio Bernard, who we talked about, but didn't do a much. He was involved in the two-minute drill, but that was about it. Going to need more than that. All right. We talked about, oh, Donald Parham. For now, the Chargers seem intent to make Jared Cook happen. So you can drop him and just keep an eye on it, and we'll try and pick it up. We'll pick him up later in the year um, when Cook starts to wane. And, I mean, Parham was out on the field. He just wasn't getting the involvement in the passes and the receptions part, which we need. But just keep an eye on it. I, I do believe by the end of the season that's what's going to be there. Um, Hayden Hurst. Four of eight, just like Kyle Pitts, on the field all the time, just like Kyle Pitts. Um, this is exactly what I anticipated. Exactly. Because Arthur Smith, the new coach, loves running two tight ends. He told us he's going to run two tight ends. This was the least surprising possible result. I don't know what to say. Um Obviously, you wanted more from it. I'm worried about Matt Ryan and that whole offensive situation. But at the same time, Hurst is going to be out there. He's going to be involved. He's going to be getting them first downs. He's going to be a target for touchdowns. Depending how desperate you are, he is someone who has borderline top 12 tight end potential. Still, and that's what I've been saying. All right, rookie wide receivers. Again, you got to follow me so you can hear me talk about Diami Brown and his 92% snap share from week one. And that continued right on into, I think he was in the 80s last night in Thursday Night Football. Diami Brown, I said, I was trying to tell you not to drop him. Don't get scared off of the results. Look deeper and see that Diami Brown, was he had the highest snap share of any rookie wide receiver, even higher than Jamar Chase, Okay. He's on the field, and we saw that again Thursday Night Football. We already talked about Elijah Moore. Same thing, stick with it. Nico Collins didn't didn't do a ton, um, but he was on the field. He did have one nice uh, target catch, so kind of want to watch that one. If you got to move something that's a better name that we've talked about, you can move him, but we're going to keep an eye on him. The trade for Clyde Woodward-Hilaire. I still stand by that. He got everything we wanted to see. He got the work. He got a little bit of targets. He just didn't... It The game did not fit a game script that was going to be good for him, which is exactly what I thought. So I said he was going to have a bad game, bad quote-unquote game. No, it was everything you would have expected from a running back too. So just you go get him um, for... Probably, like I said, you're going to have to package deal. Hit me up, DM. We'll talk details. But 
go see if the team that has him is fed up with him, getting frustrated, doubtful, whatever. If you pulled off the Browns defense pickup, you know, if somebody dropped him because they didn't want to hold two tie, uh, two defenses um, and they didn't want to start the Browns against the Chiefs, well done, you pulled it off. You have them for a couple weeks now. They're a good streamer in week three as well. All right. Teddy Bridgewater. So every week, uh, if you're not familiar with J.J. Zacharyson, late round quarterback, his podcast, um, late round podcast, he has a 15 transactions and then another 10 trends episode that comes out Tuesday and then Wednesday, respectively. I kind of I love that show, obviously. Love it. Been listening to it for a while now. Um, I particularly look forward to 15 transactions because it's like a this week version of this show. Um, and so if on Tuesday, JJ is saying Teddy Bridgewater is his week two streaming quarterback, then I checked that off as a win for next week tonight because I was saying Teddy Bridgewater week two quarterback streamer last week, right? And look, I'm not saying this is nothing against JJ. This is this is to his credit. Um, he's not trying to do what this show is doing. He's doing what his show is doing, and it's doing very well, and it's doing its job very well. I'm just use it as a, a way to kind of gauge whether or not I really hit on getting you the players that everyone else is going to be going after before they go after, which ultimately is the main goal of this show. So there you go. Teddy Bridgewater. I, I know when I said it that you guys were like, that's that's not exciting at all. Teddy Bridgewater as a streamer. Like, again, we talked about this. If you're streaming quarterback by now, it's it is ugly. But Bridgewater, good option. Um, that is the recap. We are done. This show was too long. I got to edit it. We're going to get it out tonight. Thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, hit me up again. DMs, questions, other players. Follow. I'll be trying to tag the posts, the tweets that are specifically, you know, next week tonight style picks with the hashtag next week tonight. I need to remember to do that in the future. That way, you know, I don't know how on your twit Twitter if you can maybe it'll you'll spot it when it comes out. Um, but go get these guys. Keep um, paying attention to the details that matter. Uh, that's not always fantasy points. All right. I did put out a nice thread about that on the Twitter, talking about four categories of players, about you know the the players that got their work. But, but didn't get the results, players that got the results but really didn't have the work to deserve it. Um, some players that just plain aren't good, didn't get work, even though they were names that were supposed to. And then lastly, players that were just plain studs, and one of those was Sterling Shepard. Okay? So, all right, guys. See you next week. Hope all these players hit, and I hope you win all your leagues. Um I got to gloat because it's it's not going to happen. It's all downhill from here, but I did go. Now I'm blanking. 13 and 1. Yeah, 13 and 1 on my head-to-head leagues. Keep it up. We'll, we'll see. But really good week for me, mostly because it's just having to, my players like lock it, right, hit. But a lot of cousins stealing stacks, you know. Hey, 
It's not always going to be like that. So we need to get every edge we can. So keeping out for the roster management uh, video, talking about just that, trying to get all these edges we can. All right, see you next week. Oh,